Welcome to How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. I am your host, Lauren Hutton, and with me as always is my co-host, Luke Fagenbush, who is totally here right now. How's it going, Luke? You don't have to answer. It's totally fine. I understand you've been through a lot. You had COVID. You did a whole other episode of this podcast, bashing another podcast that I make. It's perfectly fine. You rest. Take your time. Who do we have on the episode? Go ahead and introduce yourself, Garrett, because we do the intros with the person in the in the room before you leave. You haven't left yet. I'm definitely not in my basement alone, Garrett. Tell it. Yeah, you know what? I'll tell him about you and all that you do, Mr. Philadelphia Man. Garrett Tittlebaum. Titlebaum. Garantula Tatutula. He's a great dude. Uh, comic from Philadelphia. Moved to Cincinnati. Talks all about it. He's been in movies? Super famous. Like third degree. It's all in there. It's a whole episode. Sorry the intro's weird. And it's just me. I mean, Luke and Garrett are totally here and this is totally normal. This is exactly what we always do all the time. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for listening. That's what's in that cup? Yep. The guy's like, hey, do you want to... Because he built a draft thing into the wall. He's like, hey, do you want to try this new beer? And I'm like, do I have to drink it here? And he just pulls out a styrofoam cup and a coffee lid. (laughs) I mean, technically, once you broke the plastic on that lid, that's now an open container. And it's your fault, not his. And that was in the car. Yeah. Per the rules of Tennessee. They have drive-through liquor stores. You can get a... Louisiana was the same way. Really? Yeah. I thought that that was just a Tennessee thing. How How many places places Let's all get drunk and drive our trucks. (laughs) Well, I... When I was in Pennsylvania, I was telling them before we got on mic, you couldn't buy alcohol and gas from the same register. And Uh, and only in the seven years I lived there, I got there in 2013, could you even buy gas at a gas station at all? That'll stop them. Different registers. (laughs) Yeah, make them take two steps to the left for another transaction. Right. You got to come over here, honey. You can't buy beer and gas up without an inconvenience. (laughs) But when COVID first hit, the state owns all of the liquor and wine distributors. They're called state stores. And so they shut them down for three weeks. So there was a mad rush to get over to West Virginia and Ohio. Holy People were driving over to like stock up. We got enough. That's and a few people send us care packages. Especially in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. only dealt with like toilet paper shortages. I can't imagine them running out of like, you know, they whiskey. Locked yeah. doors. Yeah, that's they insane. You're closed in the you next three weeks. You can't give people booze during a time of crisis. <laughs> this <laughs> is a serious. <laughs> hey, guys. Where do you hail from? So I was born in New Jersey, but I have had ties to the Dayton area since the mid nineties. Oh. My family moved to Springboro. My dad's taught at UD since 95, 96. And I gotcha. so okay. after I graduated from UD, I did five and a half years in Baltimore. Then I moved to Pittsburgh for seven years where I started comedy. And then I've been here since mid pandemic, we'll call it. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. Transplant of many types and scenes. I I have uh, I, d- I ran the numbers since Cincinnati won the AFC North. I have been a part of seventy nine percent of all 
AFC playoff appearances. Holy crap. During this like decade. So I've, I've won or the city I've lived in has won like seven of the conferences and I've been there with a wild card three times. So you are a good luck. Charlie. I am. I won the Super Bowl in Baltimore. I you won, did personally I won <laughs> two Stanley Cups for the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Hold, hold on, it's Garrett in town. Get him jerseyed up. If I was Cleveland, I would be trying to get me to live in the top of the oh Rock and Roll Hall of Fame God, next year. Right? But. Well, now you're in Cincinnati, and the Bengals are doing better than they have in like a decade. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're there might be to something win. to it. Our first playoff game in like 32 years, and I only know that because my boss is a fan. Go team! You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like they haven't won a playoff game like the entire time I've been alive, and he was like, "Yeah, that's 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 who I'm a fan of." 1991, <laughs> I want to say. I I growing up in Dayton, didn't root for Ohio State, didn't root for the Bengals. I just I felt like the fan base didn't uh, appreciate anything. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that could be said of most folks in like southwestern Ohio. Yes. Um, it's a garbage dump. And this is where <laughs> garbage people come. Uh, yeah. Frumpke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have Kroger. They they bring you the food. And then after the food is done in your body, we have Rumpke to take away the waste. Out of yeah. yeah. And if you're from northern Kentucky, you take field trips to Rumpke. Yes. Dude, did you do that? Yeah. I was oh, so mad okay. that we didn't get to do that. We R- took a field you trip didn't to a miss much. Well, I feel like... I just... That feels What's like the field trip where you'd sneak off and get into like an 80s movie level trouble, you know? End up in a trash compactor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you dead, kid. Uh-oh. It's a different kind of 80s movie. That would have been... Did you guys like have a kid that died in your grade? Because oh, yeah. that would have been a fun yeah. one. We had just several. lost in a trash compactor on a field trip. Oh yeah, that would be the last time that that school Instead goes to Instead of a school shooting, which I is had just classmates all die, but not on the property, <laughs> like not on a field trip. I mean, that's oh, probably yeah. for the best. Yeah. Uh, what happened to your kids? So there was an eighth grader that I was friends with, Chris Perkins, who had a heart condition that was undiagnosed. Took a nap after school one. And he passed away. Oh, that is very sad. Super it's not sad. fun like a trash compactor. No, I have some fun, weird friend death stories that oh, I could share. <laughs> you came loaded up. These are my favorite kind of bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a friend who was a freshman at the University of Cincinnati. He was a couple years older than me, so I was still in high school. So we'll count this for friend who died while I was okay, young. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, went camping in the Hocking Hills was sleepwalking and walked off of a cliff. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing it's, at all. Yeah, it's heavy. I've tried to talk about it on stage a handful of times, and it gets yeah, there's not a about as much as you'd like it to. When someone- Stake your friends down. That's the <laughs> lesson there. <laughs> Put a bell on your sleepwalkers. <laughs> yeah. Do like they do with food and bears and tie them up in a tree. Oh, dude, that would totally work. Yeah. You guys should have been camping in hammocks. Smarter. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't with him, luckily. I was uh Notre Dame for the weekend, so I found out about it like a day and a half late. Oh. Before that everybody I was like oh three. So not everybody had phones back then. Oh, right, like, right. Oh, so you were the one person that was just like, what happened to Jerry? I did, well, I showed up at the football awards banquet at the end of the season, and I was just like, I had to sit there for the next hour and a half with this information because one of my teammates told me like right before it started what had happened. And then I had to you know go like three hours later Holy relax. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Then wow. I had a friend die by uh, drowning in a frozen lake when she jumped in to save her dog who had fallen <laughs> in. 
So yeah, this it, is less fun than I imagined yeah. when we went down this rabbit hole. This is the worst kind <laughs> we, of. We could have switched those stories <laughs> and put the marginally more fun one. Okay, yeah. so yeah. this is good. If I want to talk about it on stage, Lauren, you got this in editing. <laughs> yeah, you can flip them. I'm gonna you. take care of everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna cut out Mo at the beginning of the episode, and by take care of everything, we both know. Yeah, do exactly nothing. what I did for months. <laughs> <laughs> so how much year of like how much year of comedy do you have under your belt how, That's almost a how full much spot. year of comedy do you have under your belt <laughs> well we're what 12 days in so <laughs> this is really the first time i've been asked to be funny this year <laughs> cool yeah no it's going i so i moved to pittsburgh in 2013 and in 2014 i took a improv class and I did oh, no. maybe seven open mics <laughs> over the year of 2014. Nice. And then about halfway through 2015 is when I decided to kind of make the transition. And by 2016, I was not doing improv. I was pretty much exclusively stand up. Okay. How, nice. how is improv? Because every time I hear about it, it's like a cult and there are different levels and they're like, oh, you're a level three improv class. Wait, is what? That, really? Maybe it's that's like, just like the second city school. So but. they have you have to take classes through an improv theater in order to get onto a house team, which is the goal of most okay. local improv people. That's what and the that's Who's Line guys in. did. Right. They that's, put in their yeah. dues. Yeah. Yeah. So get the, the bowling jersey with your name on it. There's a give and take because you have to have people that are willing to pay for the classes in order to fund the theater to be able to have shows on the weekend. And so is everybody in every level one class going to make it onto a team? No, but they're sure making it into level twos and threes and fours. Uh, yeah. So when and you're in those classes, those. yeah, it's a balance of I'm not on a team of people that I picked so I found the house teams to be fun, but you're, again, you're working with different people yeah. and not everybody has the same sensibility in comedy. Yeah. Theaters do a good job of trying to bridge. We need X amount of these people and these people, and that way we'll build teams. But like my joy in improv always came from very similar to stand up, being with one to three other people and just riffing and finding some silly games that we yeah. can play. And that's, it's, it wasn't short form. Like you see on whose line is anyway, it's like trying to write a play in real time and you okay yeah because improv isn't doesn't always have to be funny correct doesn't yeah. always try to be funny because it's some, almost never like yeah and almost never <laughs> almost never i do have a good bombing um improv story oh, oh yeah? yeah okay so i had only done improv at steel city improv theater when i was starting out in pittsburgh and we got booked at the arcade to open for a sketch show that i had some friends who had were putting up a, a sketch comedy show and not knowing what the process worked like there, I assumed it would be exactly like what I had done at the first improv theater where I learned everything, which is at the end of your show, they turn out the lights and then you do a bow and everybody calls it a day there. Right. The way that the arcade was working was similar to stand up. They're going to give you a light from the back corner and then you call it yourself when you hit the button and your joke lands and the show ends. So huh. I, I was on a team that was trying a format where we were doing a mono scene, which means no matter how bad it gets, no you one's allowed. You kiss people and then you get sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sharing cups. And, but you can't get out of it. You pick the characters, you pick the location, and that's where you are. And those are the people that you are with. And you can walk wow. in and out of the room, but you can't switch to something else. You can't just like flip the story. And we got into a very bad 
improv setup where there was a waiter involved and it's us like talking about splitting a bowl of soup on a date <laughs> and it just yeah it just it fell flat for the moment it started we hated it i felt like we all hated it and at least with stand up if you're bombing you go I messed up. I wrote this down and I messed up. But improv, like you've practiced, you've worked with these people and none of you could figure out how to make it better. Yeah. But it hurts more, I felt like. Really? Failing at stand-up. Yeah, because it, you're, especially you're if you're stuck with people in the scene, picked, right? Yeah, you are trapped. You can't get out of it. You can't break the fourth wall and be cutesy about it and go, oh, that's a new one or oh, don't worry about yeah. this. Like you right. can sell yourself One character doesn't step forward is like, guys, we know that sucked, but hold on. <laughs> and so, I mean, we knew it sucked from three minutes in and I think it was supposed to go for 12 and at, and at no point did I know that that blue light in the top corner by the sound booth was asking <laughs> us to be done. Oh, God. So we just kept going because oh, that's the God. mono scene. Yeah. And the sketch team has to go. They, they have X amount of sketches. They've got right, right. all their shit. <clears throat> and we just, we have, we're as oblivious as anything. And so we're just oh. failing and failing and failing. And, you know, at some point, the house manager, Jason uh, Clark, has at least made the decision, like, we're going to black them out like we know that they don't know how to do this like he's being polite like he should and he's hoping that we get a laugh to end on and i don't remember what it ended on but it wasn't a laugh um and, and enough and we embarrassingly left before the sketch team was back in the green room we snuck out the back door and oh, went yeah. to a bar to very much commiserate to hell yeah with the five of us that's but, what you do yeah so what what do you try and do in improv to save stuff like do you, you just come in crazier you're like oh my character has a tick or something you can go bigger you can in a normal scene where you can cut to something else like you would in a like a family guy cartoon yeah like if yeah. you two said something that was like remember the time when we did this like i could tap you out and then i'm in that scenario with you we can show it right. i okay. treat it like the world of cartoons everything's possible we can live in whatever space we need to for this moment. But you stuck with your soup bowl. But I stuck with the soup bowl because that was the rules that we tr we were trying to... The right. arbitrary rules yeah. that... That's so interesting. It's weird to me that you, you say that like improv hurts more... I think bombing hurts more at this point. I, as yeah. I said, I've done stand up for you know five six years now, and the part of your brain that feels that pain, I hope at some point dies because it has for me. I don't <laughs> like it. Just you I don't feel bastard. I don't feel any like yeah. I'm mad that it's not going well, but I don't blame the audience. I don't think it's anybody's fault. Yeah. Like I fucked up if it's not going well. See, but the the difference between bombing and stand up. And bombing and improv, at least for me, putting myself in those two roles. Because I've never done improv. I can't really sure. put myself in that role. And that, but it doesn't seem like there's a community of it here at all, unless I'm wrong. And maybe it's just so outside of stand-up. I've not even heard it. It's, I mean, it's folded into the theater community. Sure. There's From a guy ways. that works at our company that's involved in it. And he, I mentioned I was a comic. And he was like, oh, do you know so? And he just started naming all these improvisers. And I was like, I know none of those folks. Uh, none of them. And it's two completely different circles. From what I heard of your Christmas plans, you did dip your toes into improv a little right, bit. That was an accident spurned on by my mother's ineptitude. <laughs> But it, it was technically she was improv, trying to be I think. supportive of yeah. your comedy career? No. She I, I bought a $200 costume and she's getting her money. The Grinch worth. costume was $200. <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been using it for three years. Never washed it. It smells worse Ooh. every time. And people don't see the Grinch coming. <laughs> 
I, at this point, I think it's just like a thing that I do that my family expects. It's just like, oh, yeah, he put it on. Thank God we can laugh at him for yeah. like 12 minutes. But, but this year, there was supposed to be a Grinch in a Santa. Right. And there Santa back thing. Have we not talked about this yet? On, not like, on Mike? the podcast. I oh, think you just told me. So, yeah, the whole thing was I was supposed to dress up as the Grinch. My dad is a professional Santa Claus. Wonderful. So I would come in and steal presents from under the tree, and then Santa would come back. And be like, aha, He's the straight man. Saved sure, Christmas. He saved the day. Right. Love it. My dad, as a professional Santa Claus, worked like 16 hours for three days straight leading up to Christmas and was in bed all day on the 25th. So my mom tells me we're still doing the Grinch thing. The costume's over there. Here's the game plan. Uh, when we go to do pictures, you're going to sneak off and get changed, steal some presents. And that's all she tells me, right? And then she nods to me, and I go to go get changed. And then she comes into the room and she's like, hey, just so you know, your dad's sick. So you're going to have to have a change of heart and bring Christmas back. Okay, have fun. And then I had to improvise a small play expressing all of that to my family. Oh, you were the Grinch pre and post three yeah. size heart growth. Yeah. And then the, that, So you grabbed yeah. your bowl of soup, <laughs> sat down. <laughs> Everyone, dig in. The best part was is that like I forgot how little you can see out of this mask and like I didn't plot like a, a walking path to the tree. I stepped on everyone's presence. Yeah. I knocked over several <laughs> decorations that were probably more expensive than what I was wearing. Yeah, yeah, it was too in character. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. But yeah, I stole a bunch of presents from under the tree. Ironically, all of them had my name on it. <laughs> we just garage. don't come back. <laughs> all right, bye. Happy and then, like, the only thing I could think of was my hat fell off. Oh, someone stole it. And so I went back in and did some spiel about how now I know what it feels like to have something Christmas-related stolen from you. Oh. Here's your gifts back. Yeah. It worked out, but I was sweating tits through the entire thing. <laughs> That's probably the costume, too. I did one, oh, for sure. one semester as a basketball mascot for my high school because... No way! Here, and again, you talk about bombing. They had bought a special suit for the one boy who wanted to be a cheerleader at my school, and then he was academically ineligible to be no. a cheerleader and mascot. <laughs> That's so got to feel bad. I had, right? <laughs> I had uh, played football and the coach's wife was the cheerleading coach and she just asked me and my friends if we would take turns being the mascot. Dude. So I have a varsity letter in cheerleading because I That's dope. nice enough to be the Panther at Springboro for one semester. So you were in like a full Panther costume. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Holy it was smokes. miserable hot. I'm sure. Yeah. We would play one-on-one -on -one basketball, me and Mr. Mrs. Panther, Mrs. Panther. We would take turns as who was who, but we would play basketball during the timeouts. We would do push-ups when they hit threes. It was, Dude. I have fun. I'm, I'm going to entertain if i get the how is your relationship it? with the guy who was supposed to be wearing the costume do you ever never you, knew like, him he was a couple years younger like, than me hey, you know just treat it right i can't do i can't, can't do it can't be out there with you but don't let the fire go out <laughs> carry this torch for me to the bomb it invested all this money in a nice suit that he could do flips in because the old one the head would have fallen off and then what? he yeah, like strapped to the real? shoulders. It was oh like my God. all nine yards. I'm not we too paid smart. extra for the straps. Go, but I love a, Panthers. Gotta use it. <laughs> That's so amazing. 
Holy crap. All right. I don't know where to go from here because normally we have fun for an hour and then we squeeze in a bombing story, but we've already covered that. Sure. So I'm just genuinely flattered that you guys um, organized an entire That's a good way to go. I like that direction. An entire podcast solely based on the fear that the community had when I arrived mm-hmm. and that COVID. you guys have been relaxed and learned how to love the bomb and that the titular character has arrived for the show that this has been going on for long before I arrived here in town. I'm so excited you use the word titular. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but now that you made it, we can stop making the podcast yeah. and we can put a real button on I'm it. I'm glad that the community loves me so much and that that anxiety has quelled. <laughs> it's just like when they blacked out the lights when you were bombing at improv. <laughs> right. And enough. <laughs> the podcast is over. Yeah, and I love like, what was it, a year and a half ago we were like, oh, Garrett's coming. We got to make a podcast for him. <laughs> It doesn't matter. We'll do it by Zoom at first. We'll figure it out. By the time he gets here, we'll have couches. We'll build up a little bit of an audience, lose a couple along the way. Just a couple. Get back up there just in time for Garrett to plop down in this sweet spot. Big finale. Oh, hell yeah. Have you been happy with your, your career in comedy so far? Have there been milestones that you've been proud of? Oh, of course. Hell yeah. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. So I had the chance to host for Todd Barry. Hell yeah. What? Uh, when did that happen? So at the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival oh, back yeah. in Pittsburgh, he did uh, one of the headliner spots, um, probably the fourth year we had the fest, and he did a normal show, and then he did a crowd work show. So I hosted for the crowd work show. Nice. And got to work with him there. I mean, I've gotten the chance to... I mean, there's other fun people like Shane Torres. Every, I, it's all fucking cool. So how is like, I, 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 here's here's the weirdest bucket list thing that's happened in Cincinnati. I got a chance to do stand up in a pro wrestling ring. November, uh, Billy uh, helped set it up. Put me in touch with a coworker of his, Ricky, that was organizing a fundraiser for mental health. He was going to wrestle one match. And all the money was going to like, hold on, hold on. Foundation. Can we back up just a moment? 100%. Because you're filling me in on things that I've had just enough alcohol to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me that Ricky Glore wrestled? No. Oh, okay. Ricky Henry, different gentleman. All right. Different, okay. A coworker I, of Billy's, not a comedian coworker. In my head Although, so if excited. you one of the Cincy shirts, if you want to get this back to Ricky, we would love to see him wrestle. Are you fucking kidding me? I want to organize that right now. <laughs> okay. Note taken. <laughs> We're gonna live podcast while Ricky Glore wrestles and just announce it, dude. I've never like I've never narrated a fight before, but I'll figure it the fuck out for that. Are He's you bringing me? out the. Pit. One. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay we, we, enough talking about people that aren't here yeah <laughs> todd barry though <laughs> todd yeah, how he was, was he <laughs> very nice to me okay cool nobody who's been famous has been mean to me though. well that's lucky that's good you got a lot of mean famous people in your interactions i've had people not like, no i don't think so it's incredibly nice of you to think that he has enough famous interactions <laughs> to, to make a gauge. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Um, the car was very nice. Oh, there we go. Oh, that was yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I think that at least one person that I know knows a person that's heard of him. That's the key. That's <laughs> this my, is the world we live it's in. It's my three degrees of Tom Takar rule. He's famous <laughs> because... 
<laughs> I can know one person that might know a person that knows that person. Yeah. Three degrees of separation. Yeah. I love it. You've made it. Yeah. <laughs> what are your goals in comedy? What do you hope to like get out of all of this noise? I jokingly always tell people I'd like to be profitably funny. I'd like to not have to do anything else except yeah. be fun and entertaining. That's dope. That's the goal. Yes. Anything as far as like, I'd like to do a, a scene with the Muppets. I don't know. That's a dream. <laughs> like I don't have any. Weird really. that that's the very first example you dropped out. If, if, if you were to say like, oh, I've made it. Wrestling ring would have been on the list. And right? Muppets is really like that next tier of I, I never would have thought of that. But that makes perfect sense. Because like, you're, but you're well Muppets. known enough to be somebody big if you're working with the Muppets. Also, exactly. next level comedy. The, oh, 100%. Right? What, the original Muppets started as like the sex and drug show or something crazy. What? What was it? Jim Henson was like a batshit crazy. Yeah. yeah. It started as like the sex and violence show with the Muppets. That sounds like something I would have watched way more. And then it pivoted to children's television. See, see, this this brings about, I got into an argument with my sister about uh, cursing on podcast. And she was like, you just need to not. And I was like, you should stop talking. The internet. Right. Exactly. Just because you don't want to listen to it. But ultimately, like how many projects have started incredibly unaccessible because they're very violent or very crass? Right. How many of those have pivoted to become something more accessible? Like, I mean, obviously every fairy tale. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Let's take these amazing pieces of literature and then <laughs> where children get chopped down. up and eaten and that's nah, fine. <laughs> singing cartoon mice. Let's make a candy. <laughs> <laughs> I did a show in Pittsburgh called The Home Club, and it was me and my best friend who's a talking sandwich, which was a puppet. Hell yeah. Um, that my good friend Will Ness, who's now out in uh, Portland, put together. We would have stand-ups do their normal sets, and then we would have improvisers and stand-ups play characters. And so they would do different stuff. But it was a fun, like, six-person show in that a weird fun. warehouse. And I got to, yeah, it was the closest thing to, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse meets the Muppets that I got to facilitate so far so the, the sandwich puppet wept your Wet your appetite for yeah. the whole Muppet dream. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to do this, but I want the world to see. Yeah. <laughs> so Will had been in that sketch team that we opened for and in conversations had always told me about this idea for the sandwich puppet and then had never done anything with it, never done anything right, with it. Right. And then he started to take improv after I stopped as like an, a writing exercise for stand up. And so once I knew he was doing that, I said, fuck it, man, like, let's do this show and i found a woman who lived at the art house in pittsburgh who was willing to uh you know make a puppet and sculpt it and i still have it at the house now but like yeah it's so cool can we have your puppet on the podcast lunch meat was a guest on my podcast back in the day i had him on as a co-host fuck yeah we're having lunch meat on the podcast are you kidding me (laughs) i don't even give a shit like (laughs) lunch meat grumble kraut yeah it amazes That's a good me. sandwich name. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. What was the last name? Lunch Meat Grumble Kraut. I could have rewound it and just listened to it. Again, <laughs> it amazes me how often puppets and comedy cross over. Sure. Because it's really hard to take a puppet seriously. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know the Muppets are like, you know, they, they do yeah, a lot of yeah. PSA and a lot of educational stuff, but that's like geared towards children. Does puberty kill your ability to take a puppet seriously? Oh. There's that whole theory about the Ewoks in Star Wars. If you were too old when they That's came right. out, you don't like them. But if you were young, you like them because they were you were a kid still. What? So I mean, first time I'm hearing about this. Not wrong. At least I, there are popular theories that lend themselves to your beliefs. 
I mean, there's a lot of things that like fade out of you once you hit puberty. You can't hear that frequency above like 55 hertz or something once you get older. Is there anything good up there? <laughs> Do you remember? What am I missing out on? Yeah. Dog whistles. Dogs? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who was it was Josh Raspberry used that high pitch frequency as a trigger for something in his set that had oh like yeah because he'll time thing. stuff out yeah uh. he would play a track that had four minutes of silence and at four minutes it would kick something in but at three minutes and fifty five seconds it would emit that high pitch frequency so that he knew to get ready for the thing. I guess he's planning to only perform to people over 35. <laughs> yeah. I don't do a lot of colleges. They know my tricks. <laughs> so that wrestling show, that was, it, I, it's, I, I don't want to say that I bombed. I mean, I did have a heel wrestler come out and shit talk me after I was done, but that was really? part, part of the plan. Yeah. But <laughs> as I'm in the ring doing my 10 and I'm after the third match of the night, I'm like, realizing that the majority of this audience is like here for the fundraiser aspect. There's a lot right. of like 11 to 15 year olds there. Oh, my jokes are fun. You're yeah. But like they, I don't think they remember nine 11 cause they weren't born. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I didn't need to do that one. Where were you on nine 11 in my dad's balls? <laughs> a long way away. <laughs> Wasn't me at all. I mean, I just, I can't imagine I can't imagine bombing in a scenario where the stage is something that is so particularly for something else. Yes. Like and the ropes are still there, right? Like yep. all that, the, the turnbuckles. Rope, ropes are still there. I do my best to walk into the middle of the ring and realize that I'm on a corded microphone no! that's not coming with me. I'm like in the first or second joke. So a lot of the bombing aspect is mechanical for yeah. just not yeah. doing stand-up it's in that format. I, I, that's not on you, though. I know like that. I, If you have a ring, I still you blame need him. No, the no. cord. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I got yelled at by um, a, a wrestler, one of the top Scary 500 female wrestler wrestlers guy. in the world, I found Woman. out most recently or in 2021. Wow. Prestigious. Undercat, and she She's a, <laughs> she, she is Thunder Kitty and she, Thunder, Thunder. Thunder Kitty LaRue or something like that, but she's like a 1920s wrestler who has been alive for a hundred years is the whole playing so all of her disses were like you're not laurel and hardy you're not red fox like she was covering comics throughout. and like she was genuinely like really funny cutting me up and then i got hit in the face with a streamer and i, oh. I wish i was a better fucking wrestler at that moment i hit the mat because it took me a second to like feel figure out what was going right, oh, right. get out of Sell the way it. but that's what i don't i don't ever feel like i bomb i feel like i overplay the situation again and again for the next right. day and a half of all the things I could have done to tweak it just a little bit differently. Absolutely. And maybe they're 1% better or 0% better. But in my head, I go, that could have been the best set of your life if you did these right. three things differently. Right. Do you still do that to yourself when you do well? Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's good. <laughs> it is good. Room. Yeah. I mean, if you, if I mean, you not, not if you make yourself feel so bad that you do shitty the next time. Yeah. Don't make yourself miserable, but it's always a fine be line. growing. I did want to ask, like, uh -oh. what made you? <laughs> We've held out until now. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Hard hitting questions. Uh, what made you leave improv and, like, make the switch? I. Is there a moment? All those other <laughs> shitty improvers ruin his scenes. I, I know what made me not do improv and so, skip straight to stand up, but <laughs> there were there were a lot of things that I liked more about stand up, and I 
I could get into all of those, but if you're looking for like, oh please, yeah, I I think it's a more every aspect of it where I get all of the credit or all of the blame is empowering that it's not dependent on anybody else's abilities or not. Um, If fewer of the variables are able to be placed elsewhere. I can own it. Yeah, I do. Exactly. It's yours. Even like on Conan, they'll tell you to do everything and like control you as much as you can, but there's still a good minute and a half before they plug the, pull the plug that you can do anything. Right. Right. Even at that level, you're in complete control. Yeah. I mean, because you have the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let them try and take it from you. Improv, yeah, you're. It's a balance of a lot of personalities. If you're on a very big team, yeah, I was on a team at one point where there was a a woman who was engaged to someone not in the improv team who started having a relationship with somebody on the improv team, and that's putting a me messy. in a scenario where I had to go and be around her fiance. And it's just not a, I was like, this whole thing makes me very uncomfortable. I don't enjoy whatever yeah. you two are up to. It's messy. And I'm it felt like, yeah. Imagining like an improv sketch where they're having an illicit affair as part of the the sketch. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, and don't tell my husband. And you're just sitting there like, oh, God. <laughs> Too real. Is it always yes and? <laughs> Can I stop this? I don't want this to be this meta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I do. I miss parts of it. I like acting. I like get. I did the um the script reading last month for Die Hard and the had a blast Christmas getting style, to do yeah. that. Yeah. Like it was very cool to be asked to play the chief of police and a, probably a mustache request. But yeah, I'll take the casting where they come. I mean, honestly, the reasons that you get things shouldn't matter. You're no getting matter things. It's nice to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had the chance and I had a blast doing that. And yeah, I'll do anything that comes my way. I've gotten to act in movies and a couple episodes of TV shows like independent stuff yeah. that was shot. I mean, you're here. Like, so we knew that. You did? <laughs> that creeped me out. Don't. Oh, have you already watched it? <laughs> what no. all have you been in? Pretend like I didn't look you up on IMDb. Wow. Okay. So I, when I was making the transition and I was finishing my kind of improv time, I shot a film in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, Guntown. That's what Cannonsburg is. Hell yeah. Affectionately nicknamed. Hell yeah. Uh, Damn it. That's cool. Vape stores and uh, a furniture store that my character, Craig, who quits his day job, uh, knocked off with his neighbor to steal a a recliner (laughs) in the middle of the film. But yeah, it's a movie where I quit my day job and it's the week that follows. I get to build a support group for people who feel bad about quitting to make them feel. What a great movie to come out in this time of like just everyone quitting their <laughs> jobs. Yeah. Like how poignant. So I did that. And then a couple years after that, I did two episodes of a television show that was shot in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Uh, called Almost Grown Ups. There's a gentleman... Fish uh, town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Home of the Altoona Curve, which is a minor league baseball team, and a big feature of how they turn trains around. Wow. They go around a mountain instead of on a turntable. How can you oh. make a place more boring? <laughs> <laughs> I got kind of excited for that fact. That's in your wheelhouse. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> shows? Trains maybe turning? not, but there are train action in this town. Send me to Altoona. I'll have Send a day there. Altoona. You're going to buy a burial plot in Altoona. <laughs> I heard they turn trains in this place. Bury me in the bend of the train. <laughs> 
<laughs> it just rests forever in its embrace. <laughs> How many episodes did that show run? We did two. So that we shot oh, two, so two episodes, episodes entirely. It was all self-produced. Gotcha. Uh, gentleman Anthony Bombacci wrote it loosely about his life, but it's uh, he made a good amount of money, and it's his three degenerate buddies who still like hang out in his house in his Hell basement, yeah. and we're just scumbags. Uh, to the fullest extent. Nice. Are yeah. those like are those episodes accessible anywhere? Like, can they you, be streamed? You could watch them on Amazon if you're no on, shit. On Amazon. I know what I'm doing yeah. as soon you as I watch leave here. All three, uh, the two episodes and the TV show are, are, are excuse me, the movie are all on there. Uh, a woman that joins my quitters group is in the final season of Orange Is the New Black. No shit. She she hooks up with uh, the woman from Natasha Leggero from. Uh, American Pie and Russian uh, yeah, Doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, osmosis, I think, you know. Yeah. Right. I had sex with a pie. You basically have a baby with that person. Yeah, it's the three degrees rule. In I know like- two famous people. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Like, I mean, would you act more if you got those opportunities? Absolutely. I just got to do an episode of Tanner's podcast. Where Hell yeah. It'll be coming out in February. I don't know when this comes out, but it'll Heavy come out Heavy Head podcast. Heavy Head. Yeah. Yeah. We're plugging other people's shit all of a sudden instead of mine. <laughs> Let's just go past this. I don't want it to get any more attention. <laughs> Lauren's podcast. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Available wherever you listen to podcasts and some places you don't. Lots of places you don't. Anyways, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing you can say about an audio format. How do you host two podcasts? I have three, technically. I, I've been I, podcast hosting sober for a little over two years. And I think about getting back all the time. And especially taping two this week, you go, oh, I could. it's a lot of work. It I, really is. Uh, I remember that every time that we have a guest sitting on that couch and I'm sure. frantically plugging things in thinking, why do we tell them to come here at the same time that <laughs> I come here? Yeah. It doesn't make <laughs> To be sense. fair, I could have set up the equipment and we... You, you did walk into <laughs> the five people that are living in my house right now. Sure. Yeah. Your house so, is a beehive of, of chaotic nature at the moment. Yes. <laughs> I'm not looking for that to improve anytime soon, but okay. yeah. Yeah. Not to, uh, you know, force you to compare your podcast to the many other podcasts in town that I've been on. I try not to. It's really only Tanner. I will say <laughs> yeah, this is much more of a house. And that was much yes. more of a studio. Tanner has a studio. He has a nice setup. You guys have a wonderful, comfortable couch. I'm not speaking ill of this. And I yeah. No, you can, though. Enjoy I, our it, time I, I did take it that way, but we try to <laughs> put people at ease. He mix around here. That's Do nice. you have yeah. any idea that all of this equipment was bought maybe two weeks ago? We had a huge upgrade recently, and it's still this bad. This is nice. It's currently someone playing Animal Crossing in the background just to give you the hanging out feel. I honestly... There's a marriage going on. This is my favorite part of this episode. There's a marriage happening. Osha and I started looking at wedding venues this week, so... No kidding! That's right. You're engaged. I did. I asked her to marry me right before Thanksgiving. Congratulations, homie! Thank you. I appreciate it. That's very exciting. So how 
much of that was like, shit, I need something to talk about to her in-laws. Like, uh, <laughs> holidays are coming up and I ain't doing much. I am conversationally uh, dry. Can- <laughs> Convinced her to move to Ohio. If you're boring, then you got to put a ring on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you stole my baby girl away. How have you been? <laughs> no, her family's been very supportive. Her mother was That's in. Dope. Her mom came to town in October, so I got the go-ahead from mom. Nice. And then asked in November, knowing that, oh, she was going home for Thanksgiving, and I wasn't. That way she could go have the week yes. with her, weekend with her family. Right. I went up for Christmas, New Year's kind of week. So Nice. Got to experience all the love and excitement in Very Vermont. classy getting permission from the parents beforehand. Like, uh, d- kudos at, to you. At the end of the day, uh, and it, I guess it's nice that I got to ask her mom and not her dad, but I would have asked either one. Her mother was just the one who came to visit us. Right, right. Well, I assume they're in touch. Yeah, I bet he found out before I asked. Yeah, they're married and stuff. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, I they have the right to say, we don't want you as part of our family. And yeah. if I'm going to be in-laws with these people, they're going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. It's as, as much of a speak now and forever hold your peace sort of a situation. Yeah, but like, yeah. I want their respect and love. And it's like... I don't know. I'm an old school guy. My parents were both teachers. I just grew up in a world where I, as arrogant as it is, it hurt my feelings that the guy who married my mom, he's my stepfather and Greg is an incredible person. When I was 23 and they got remarried, didn't ask me permission as her oldest son. And Uh, it's stupid. And I have no ownership. That would have been a classy move. Yeah, I, I think it would have been animosity good. for sure. I love him and I don't resent him now because I'm an adult and I go, maybe that's more about me. Right. You yeah. go, maybe that had less to do with it. <laughs> but you that. did realize that in therapy. Though. Oh, I did. <laughs> I addressed it. So I, I went on a tour when I was a Pittsburgh comic and I got to do um, what was Myrtle's at the time. That's now 20s. Yeah. And so that was the first time Greg came to see me and I addressed it while I was on stage. Hell yeah. Really? It got an okay response. <laughs> From Greg or <laughs> yeah, Greg and my mom's coworkers got a, got a little pop. I mean, twenties is a small room. How yeah. much of how much percentage of the room was your crew? A fair amount because yeah. I was Pittsburgh based and grew up here, and so my my father, his wife, uh, my my mom and her husband, uh, yeah, a handful of people. It was good. Yeah, it was Hell nice. Yeah. Uh, on that same tour, you talk about a bomb. My father surprised me on a show in Columbus at an art house that was, um, let's call it a a show that started in the basement without chairs uh, an hour and a half later than scheduled. Oh, my God. With an opening rap trio. Yes, I already love this. <laughs> <laughs> All the ingredients are there. Yeah, dude. Two or guys art. who lived on the floor below me in college that I, you know, as a freshman that I didn't keep in touch with, but happened to live in Columbus. Yeah. Um, and one of my dad's best friends who I've known since I moved here in like fourth or fifth grade. Uh, I, it was a long 15 minutes. Oh God. I just, as soon as I got off, my father and his friend had to take off. <laughs> Uh, they were not, we're sticking, not sticking around for the headliner after my dad had already watched the show <laughs> earlier in the tour. This was on the return home. I just was right. like, this is, yeah, this is you living your dream. You're out on your tour. Good for you, son. Good for you. And he's just trying to be a supportive parent. Right, he loves right. me. It's just like, 
Yeah, yeah, thank you for coming. It was a great surprise. <laughs> Not embarrassed of, of my all life choices at all. I didn't want you to it's show like, up. I had, had some good shows on the run when we were in Kentucky, but yeah, I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky, prime comedy state. <laughs> yes, yes. They laugh real hard amongst their corn and tobacco. <laughs> yeah, they, they love those blue collar guys, though. <laughs> I, I saw... Um, Oh, who's the blue collar guy who still does stand up pretty successfully? Ron White? Uh, yeah, I saw Ron White with my dad. That was our father-son nice. bonding thing. That sounds as enjoyable as the time my dad took me to the driving range. How'd you like it? I mean, he's not a golfer and neither am I. <laughs> and so it really felt like both of us were only enjoying it one third yeah, I would say two thirds, but right. I definitely made concessions for him and he made concessions for me. Exactly. But, You're you know. meeting each other on the same level. And it's just like, you know, you respected me enough to take me to do a thing that I wouldn't find entirely boring. And you also, you know, like I respect you enough to hit all the balls you bought. Yeah. <laughs> to finish the bucket. Right. Like we're going to do this like and the, we're going to talk. And we'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll make Salisbury steak. Ohio. <laughs> So uh, how is it being engaged to a fellow comedian? O Osha's very funny, and it, does any of that... And you like, are not. That's the implication yeah. you just laid yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, Osha's doing very well. I'm trying to marry Are you up. sweating? There you go, bro. That's I what I'm talking about. I don't have any shame about that. I'm very happy with my... As you said, I've made it in comedy. I'm, I'm Wrestling ring, successful I'm lady comic I'm person I know. I like... <laughs> yeah, it's I OSHA started a couple months after me and there's a little bit of an age gap, but she has she found her voice faster than almost anybody I know. Hell She's really? so good at being herself and making the audience comfortable with her being uncomfortable. It's yeah. just fun to watch, and I am so proud when she gets opportunities. And That's I, 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 the I, good I, response. There yeah. are so yeah. many people who, like, I don't know, you have to tell your partner they did a good job when they didn't or have conversations that um, you're supportive or you don't like what they do on stage. We're very different comedians. Yeah. We're, and I, I, I don't think either of you have to have that conversation too often. No, <laughs> you're like, yeah. you bombed your ass off. Of Not a lot of that going <laughs> on between the two of you. We're more critical of ourselves than each other. Always. She loves it when I'm loose and silly. And I, I like it when she's up there, you know, controlling the room and making fun of audience members who deserve it. Who, right? <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, it's, 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 I, I tried to date a lot of women off of apps or in other ways that I met them in life. And it was nice to go, I want to meet somebody doing what I like doing. Yeah. I approached it in a way that I felt like I gave her space to still be a comic. And we kept it private from like October to February when we were kind of in the feeling it out phase and making sure yeah. that, you know, not everybody in the scene was in our business. And right. so it was really comforting to come here and be a couple already and see right. how the scene here operated because there were a lot of comic couples that we would see talk about each other on stage at a high level. And it wasn't something we did at all. 
And now we'll make reference to it if it's a small inside baseball kind of crowd where it's yeah. just us and I can just say her name. And there, everyone. there are some comics who I think they're talking about each other on stage and then I'll like talk to them afterwards and they'll be like, oh no, that joke wasn't about him. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like micro penis references from like yeah. comic couples. And I'm just like, does he? Right, it comes up a lot. Is that a thing or is that just a common premise that's funny to go yeah, to? Second a- most dangerous pandemic sweeping, sweeping Cincinnati comedians right now. <laughs> yeah, micro penis. <laughs> they're shrinking. I mean, the funnier Maybe you get, related. the smaller your dick gets. It's yeah. a fact. Um, I have an enormous <laughs> ego. Uh, <laughs> That's really cool, man. Like, I, I, I think that, like, obviously the approach to relationships, taking comedy completely out of it, yeah. is sticky because 100%. so many people are different. And then you add into it this concept of, of two people chasing a career that is fraught with pitfalls and just constant things that could completely derail it. I always am more, I think we're impressive because we're us and <laughs> I'm humble, but I'm, I'm, I'm more impressed by, I see your big ego, somebody, <laughs> I'm more impressed by the partners of comedians or partners of, of people who decide to be comedians, like right after they get married or right after they get together. I've known a handful of those and it's to support somebody who's so blindly doing this thing that feels like, like I think the level of success I have is enough for me, but it might not be for for everybody. I just, I like doing it. And I, if you can get validated doing something else, you should go do that. This is not easy. So that's been my attitude. And Osha and I both are of the opinion that this is what feels the best of all the things that you could be doing to spread joy to other people, to make, and try to have fun out there with little it's hard yeah, to be a to human yell being, you know? at frightened it's tough to be a human being, so. people yeah and- intimidate some people find a way to make them uncomfortable why aren't you listening to me <laughs> really dig into somebody who just wants to drink their beer and ignore the show that's yeah. that's the, the big best. picture the best. We didn't know it was happening and we resent you for being here. <laughs> I did a show the day of SantaCon at yeah. what? at Chameleon and we did two shows, but the early show we had a table of eight that were all people who had been at right. SantaCon during the day. And I give Gretchen a lot of credit for hosting because they just hated everybody. They didn't know that there was going to be a show. They were ordering pizza. They were rude to I went up oh, second no. and they were rude to me. It was just very, but I, I decided probably three minutes into my 10 minute set that I hated them. Right. And then I did my jokes angrily at them <laughs> instead right, of right. trying to get them to enjoy yeah. it. Your jokes were a weapon yeah. instead of a bandaid for laughter and levity. Yeah. Again, it's a, it felt like a bomb, but it yeah. felt like a bomb because I hated how I handled it. You lit the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I, you were I just said, like, this were, is going to explode. You were mean to my friend. You're being mean to me. <laughs> Cut it out. My girlfriends are coming up. Yeah, you better get fucking ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she <laughs> <laughs> this is not the holiday spirit. Just got engaged. Don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> I thought you Santas were supposed to be fun. <laughs> Where is your Christmas You're not spirit? jolly at all. I know a guy with a Grinch costume. <laughs> <laughs> you Such just a weird have threat. a separate Grinch phone. <laughs> I need to go ruin someone else's Christmas. <laughs> Honey, I got to go. The red phone is ringing. Get the suit. <laughs> Max. <laughs> 
Now, when your dad gets booked for Santa stuff, has he offered to bring you in on some stuff as oh, an add-on performer no. yet? He has no hell interest. No. You spent $200 on a costume. And no, you're no, just... no, no. Dude, he doesn't even have that kind of power. Like, he's in a union. A, a Santa union. union. Yeah. Like, he, there's there's a whole thing. And, like, he's, he's prestigious. He, okay, not to spread my dad's business, but spread away. Right before I quit comedy, I found out that my father got a professional agent. He has representation as a professional Santa Claus. He got in with the Heyman Talent Agency, who I have been fucking auditioning for as a voice talent artist for five years. (laughs) I'm not upset about it or anything or horrifically jealous in any way. But yeah, yeah, he's got a website and a business card. And to have your father send you a Facebook message that says, hey, can you look up my website? I want to know what kind of traffic I'm getting through Google. That's an incredibly demeaning (laughs) feeling. Like, why don't I just grow a beard and buy a suit? You know, like they're probably really anti like like, oh, Santa's kid thinks he's going to get a handout. Not this year, Lauren. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know your dad's body type, but you don't really have the Santa build that a typical Santa would be expected to have. Yeah. No, neither does he. He still makes $30 an hour. He has abs. (laughs) My dad's retired. He makes more money than me. And he has abs. And he's Santa. I don't, yeah. I love that man. Does he pad? What what goes on? Does he pad? Yeah, for the costume. Or is he just a buff Santa? I mean, the coat covers a lot, but he's just slim and fit looking. Okay. He bought like an antique sleigh that he found (laughs) in Lebanon and he's restoring it so that he can take headshots for his website. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's full-blown, man. It's full-blown. I don't know what he's doing now. It's yeah. really a seasonal gig. Right. Like, if anything's a seasonal gig. It's a, it's a whole season built. Or you get eight good weeks. Right, right. But I will say this. The the whole like pandemic nonsense, it was across the board. We all, I mean, did you do any Zoom shows throughout the pandemic? No, OSHA did one. I took a full 14 months off good without for you. comedy. Good I for you. Felt, I felt bad, but I... Didn't feel as bad as the people I saw doing Zoom shows. Zoom stand-up True. comedy is bad. I can't even imagine being a Zoom Santa, which is what my dad did for a year. Yeah. What? <laughs> Just in the suit in front of a camera like, hi, boardroom. <laughs> Thanks for having me. He messaged me and asked me like, hey, do you have any Christmas material? I have to do a 20-minute set on Zoom. And I was like, are you fucking kidding well, well, me? They, books, they don't tell him to just sit in the chair and smile for the photos. No, People are going to take turns walking up in front of the projector. <laughs> hey, Santa, <laughs> just, just tell me what just, you want for Christmas into the Zoom mic. Move your hand like this. Make it look like you're patting my head. <laughs> take screenshots with Santa. Apparently, he did like 20 minutes and killed and like told a bunch of stories and stuff. Like, I, I don't know. I've had this revelation that I've always thought my family was like, you know, creatively bankrupt. And now I'm realizing like, oh, no, I get it from somewhere. But it, I don't want to try too much attention to it, but did you retire from stand-up? Did you yeah, bury the lead I, in that? You're I, done on I'm stage? No more, no more stand-up comedy. Why? And you want to host three podcasts to promote yeah. what? Well, here's the weird <laughs> thing. My, my, my ideology is finally actually solidified into something because of a comment on a tweet. Good. <laughs> a friend of was mine. Was this Clinton? No, this no. The, it was Cam, actually. Cam O'Connor. Oh, shout that, out. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I said some blubbery thing on Twitter after not tweeting anything for like two years about how I still think about what things would sound like from a stage and how I still write things in my phone, even though I have actively quit stand-up comedy. I'm not a comedian, but please keep laughing. And he commented on that. You're still a comic. You're just not practicing. And so that has fallen into I'm still considering myself a comedian. I just have no interest in stand up as a particular outlet. Sure. Oh, so I can appreciate that. Podcasting humor as a pursuit in creativity is still my driving force. Good. I just don't give a shit about being in front of twenty people in a particular room at a particular time because that shit sucks. Yeah. For all the reasons that we make this show. Twenty people sure. Shooting pretty high there. I'm being <laughs> nice. <laughs> How many people were at the wrestling show? It was it was relatively packed out. I would call oh, it 75. Hurts. 75, 100, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, bombs have very Up in levels. Hamilton, FGA or FGW, Future Great Wrestling. I'll give them a shot. There's so many independent everythings, yeah. like independent comedy, independent stand-up, independent wrestling, and all of these things have different circles that you would have no idea they existed until you step into them. Let's start dependent comedy. Dependent? Yeah, where we're heavily reliant on please another come. organization. Please, please come. Uh, we're piggybacked by Pfizer. Please come. Please, please come. come. Please get the vaccine. <laughs> but there, I mean, you, you can write jokes all day. The thing that's most unique about stand-up versus the other pursuits is you can practice a song at the house and get better at it. Right. There's nothing about no. you have jokes in your phone until right. you've said them out loud and you get the audience to react or you yeah. know how to work yeah. them. they're just ideas and so it's the only real art form that i know that without an audience that's actively in front of you which zoom doesn't really give you exactly you can't do it and so it's like it, the audience is a musical instrument which i'm sure i stole from pete somebody over the years i like that it's like though. you sometimes they're out of tune sometimes yeah. but it's your job to play the room that you have and I thought about this on the drive over with the, the thought of your show. Like, I think I avoid bombing because I give myself an out that I'll open my set with something that works. Right. And instead of opening with something new, because yeah. I want to treat my new jokes like they're these little protected things in the middle for while I'm working them out. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just like fucking going. So I won't bomb because I'm playing that room and that room deserves a show, quote unquote, even if it's an open mic, which is stupid. It's not the way do you get they better do. at comedy. Do no, they? of course not. But as the guy I, who's just trying to practition and give a gift to the three people who did show up. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is a, a super positive way to look at it and makes for a better show. Yeah, like your that's, outlook I, and your approach is paramount. I have a loyalty to the crowd and to the show more than I do myself getting better. And that'll probably always be a detriment if I don't recorrect that well, but in, i would disagree the night of i think if you walk in with the goal of making the best show possible i think that's healthier and you'll learn to make every show better that way that's fair yeah i don't think you're going to become a household name doing what you're doing sure but i guarantee you're going to be that person that everyone starts mentioning in footnotes at a documentary like that. You're already third degree famous. In That's, my what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You're already third degree. But we just need to get you to second degree. I coached the woman who ate out Natasha Leggero in prison. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. I don't have that. <laughs> but that is interesting. Something that I kind of had to learn was your set isn't what you write down on paper, which I thought that's sure. what it was for so yeah. long. Every stand-up set is its own monster and it's what happens in the room. Yeah. 
it's such a disservice to performing if you just go up there and do your monologue. Yeah. I think it, in order to connect with the audience, that's why you see comics talk about what just happened before them. You yeah. have to ground yourself in the space because it's an art form where you're doing something that is supposed to look like it's the first time you've ever thought it which it isn't and right. doing stuff that you've done dozens, if not hundreds but of times, but that's the trick. But it's a magic trick. That's the, the trick. Doing. Yeah. We're all fooled by it. I remember the moment when I realized, Oh, this isn't the first time that these people said this, right? This, this recording at, at the metropolitan opera house. <laughs> this isn't the first time that Robin that Williams said all at? these words. Well, maybe Robin Williams. It might've been, he oh. may have said that, like thirty percent of it the oh. first time that yeah. he said it, yeah, and twenty percent of it is stuff other people said that he's remembering. <laughs> but <laughs> but that leftover, like I can't That's do math. The genius part. It's yeah. fifty, I think. Fifty <laughs> percent genius. That's what we can all strive for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's so easy for audiences to sniff out bullshit when the goal is to get them to laugh. Yeah. It's like you it's try. inauthentic. They're because I'm They're not laughing. I want you to see you try to be funny. They want to see you be funny. Yeah, exactly. Any effort comes across as disingenuous. Yeah. Well, You're supposed to be these. Eh. It's uncool to I try. Bingo. And the moment that you are not cool in the audience's eyes, they don't want to be friends with somebody that's not cool. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do. You're trying to trick them into being friends for 5, 10, 15, 45 minutes, whatever it is. Yeah, you build a level of trust. Yeah. Love me. Pay attention. And I've got something that you want to hear. Remember my name when I'm in town again. <laughs> <laughs> Come back. Come see me sometime. I mean, like, have you, do you focus on trying to, like, build a following? Is that something that's even in your purview? When I was doing the podcast, I probably thought about it at a higher level than I do yeah. now. I How do you do that? Get people to follow the podcast. <laughs> <I'm doing it laughs> now. <laughs> my, so my tell us garrett please yeah. I, I, I will give you the garrett title bomb it's nice to see he's working tips and tricks which is my old um, hell yeah i would intentionally book guests that i knew had something they wanted to promote so if i'm sitting here in january oh uh, the tonight show method okay yeah i'd go well who has shows booked these next three weekends who can I get to come in? And that way, it's there's a reciprocity to it. They're more likely to share it. Exactly. Because it helps their show. The people that might be thinking about going to their show might listen to your podcast. Are you taking notes, Luke? So that's how I at least... <laughs> so what do you have coming up, Garrett? <laughs> <laughs> so when does this episode come out? This episode is going to come out tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, very fast. Okay, good. So you can catch that's me. That's because we're, we're professional. So professional. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be edited. All the stuff that we talked about is getting taken out. <laughs> Facts. All that Muhammad yelling. <laughs> now no one's going to know what that means. Damn, I, w I was going to make something up that you were supposed to have said, but you just said something that actually happened. <laughs> uh, so next weekend, you can catch me opening for Chris Weir at Chameleon. We're doing an 8 o'clock show Friday and Saturday. And then the 27th, I'll be at Motormouth for the first time. So I'm very excited Hell to, get yeah. to perform down Hell there. Yeah. Motormouth is a great room. You're going to have fun. And then on the first Sunday of February the 6th, I am doing the, what, Queen City Radio down in OTR. Nice. Uh, Chris Weir's also headlining that one. Hell so. yeah. Wayne Mehmet show. You can taste yourself some Weir. I'm never going to say that again. I liked it. Maybe I'll tell Chris you said it. He'll make it into a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> taste yourself some Weir. <laughs> How fun would it be if he wrote a joke backwards from that? Just like that as a punchline. 
So one thing that we do like to do here Uh-oh. is is just as like a final thing, what are your parting words for the audience? What is the last thing that you want to leave everyone with? Well, again, it's been nice to finally be on my podcast. <laughs> How we love the We bottom. asked so much for so long. <laughs> finally, we can stop this hellish yeah. facade. Oh, the curtain call episode. This is great. <laughs> no reason to worry. I'm appreciative of all the love. And no, Light stalking. Uh, I'm out and support local comedy. I think Cincinnati has per capita some of the funniest people that I've for a city of our size, we are truly blessed by the amount of truly talented meetings that we have here. I, I'm humbled to be included in any aspect of that, whether be on the podcast, getting to do the live read with Josh O'Neill and the diehard people, like to only to have been a part of the scene for less than a year and to have been welcomed in the way that I have. It's truly like, yeah, it's as nice as. Hell yeah can't say enough nice things about the Cincinnati scene so if you're an out of town comic you're looking for stuff to do this is a great city to come and uh, come visit and if you're an audience member in and around the Cincinnati or Dayton market I'm out to some of the shows not just my shows but you know Luke does jokes sometimes yeah <laughs> I was gonna say both of you but you're retired yeah I quit you can't see me you can find me on Spotify please listen to my music yeah that's oh, it okay wait I have a button you have a button I got a button what's your button how we learn to stop worrying and love the title bomb. Oh, shit. Yeah, baby. I love it. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. (laughs)